Welcome to Holding the Fort Abroad, the podcast for expats with traveling partners. My name is Rhoda Bangeter. I'm a certified coach and the author of the book, Holding the Fort Abroad. In this podcast, I interview men and women who live abroad and have traveling partners so that we can all benefit from their wisdom and experience. I also invite relationship experts to apply their expertise to this topic. Today, my guest is Francisca Luxhoy. I've pronounced that right. I will let you check the spelling. <laughs> She's the founder of Be Happy Abroad. She'll tell us a bit more about that herself. She's a coach, passionate about supporting internationals. She has experience of frequent business travel. And after an initial conversation about what she does now and her experience, we're going to talk about nutrition, which is a key element for anyone but especially important to pay attention to when there is a lot going out. And Francisca is going to talk to us about a very specific angle about eating. Uh, so Francisca, welcome to the show. Yeah, thank you, Rhoda. I'm so happy to be here. Thank you for having me. Thank you for being here, for sharing a bit about your experience and what you do now, and also talking about intuitive eating. Yes. So I'm looking forward to, to hearing what you have to say about that. Um, so first of all, can you just tell me where you're from, where you're living now? Yeah, in the expert world, I'm more than minority having grown up monoculturally. Um, I really grew up in Austria. We didn't even travel that often. We traveled sometimes to it Italy and within Austria. But I've always had this fascination for cultures, for languages, and yeah, this curiosity to to open my own perspective, to open like to to see beyond the horizon. And yes, as soon as I had the possibility, I did that make my reality. So I did three exchange semesters abroad while studying. While and along the way, I met my Danish husband. So I'm now married to Dane. We have two children um, who grew up with three languages. We live in Denmark, my husband's country. So in that context, I, I identify as a love pet mostly. And we have together also been in the Netherlands in a third country that's neither his nor mine. And in the Netherlands, we also had our first son. Um, and the second son is born here in Denmark. But yeah, so there was um, some travel and back and forth. And yeah, but now we are living in Denmark and don't have a plan of moving and are experiencing them intercultural life here. That's what we were talking a little bit earlier, right before I hit record, is the, um, the fact that there are, yes, there are a lot of multiculturals who are coaching yes. internationals and yes. people who live abroad. But it's it's so important to also have someone who has that monocultural perspective, someone who's grown up in the same country, yeah. because I, I don't know what that feels like. No. I honestly <laughs> do not know what that is like. And, and I, it's like, the toothpaste out of the the tube right once you've lived once you're living in multicultural you can't put it back right you can't go back and live a monocultural life no true and that will also be true for my children and what i see now also especially with my oldest he's now 10 and i just see this uh, exploration of identity like who is he where is he from which culture does he mostly identify with with which language does he feel comfortable in and because he goes to an international school here in Denmark he his strongest language is English and just a few days ago he said to me that but uh, I don't feel so comfortable speaking Danish because I'm not as good at speaking Danish as the other kids but his Danish is 
flawless. We live here. And so it's really mostly an exploration and a feeling he has for himself, where then I see my role as a parent to to strengthen his self-confidence and to coach him through that also to, yeah. to to not not necessarily say oh but that's not true because that doesn't help him but really like explore where does that feeling come from why do you think that and what does mm -hmm. that do to you and like uh, and then yeah try to shift it together with yeah. him yeah yeah so to make sense of the different aspects of who of, of what makes him really isn't it yes. what elements and which ones he wants to which ones he feels more comfortable with which ones he wants to encourage which ones he wants to develop yeah and to sort of explicit it for him because I think sometimes growing up multicultural you don't really you know it yeah that you have different cultures and different nationalities in your life although cultures it could also be generational or professional you know or yeah. that yeah. whether if your parents are military then you know you're gonna have that the military culture that that comes through but I yeah. think realizing oh yeah there's different groups groupings of people will have different com common behaviors yeah even if not everybody in that group does the same but there yeah. will be some commonality in thinking oh okay so I've got a foot in this one a foot in this one and a foot in that one yeah so I'm going to be taking bits from each one yes uh, and yeah. then deciding and some people decide to just go with one Mm. and just go you know I'm just gonna go with this bit and then others will take a piece so and you're but you're you see this in the international people you help as well right yes and absolutely, with the definitely. happy abroad uh summit and the happy abroad club yeah you you right you know there are challenges and so you're providing a space where people can find yes solutions exactly and tools. yeah yeah so well i well throughout the years i've also been struggling myself quite a bit because yeah i mean i grew up monoculturally so some of the things were very like okay that's how we do things and then being confronted with something else of course puts a question mark to um, okay there are different ways and which way resonates most with me i think that's the key question uh, because it's never a question of right or wrong. There are, um, as one of the uh, the speakers at my recent Happy Abroad Summit said, there are several versions of right. It's just a different right because uh, when it's about culture, there is no right and wrong. It's just different mm. ways of doing things. Um, mm -hmm. uh, but then finding okay, so what's the right way for me? Because in this multicultural world, we become a conglomerate of several cultures we draw inspiration from several cultures from several habits and then we just become our own and and that's difficult it's a difficult process to re-identify so who am I what am I here for what's my purpose in life and that's what I what I help my clients with with be happy abroad and what's also kind of the back drop of the Happy Abroad Summit where I invite different speakers and experts in the field to provide their perspective. And I think that's what's so valuable in for internationals to hear those different ex different perspectives, different experiences, and then realize that they are not alone with this. So I that's what I hear most often in the Happy Abroad Summit. Often those are people who have never heard that there is a thing like 
expat coaching, coaching for internationals. And then they come to the to this event, which is a free event. They sign, I, I guess many of them sign up because it's free. It speaks to them because it's happy abroad. And it, they, they think, okay, I have nothing to lose. I sign up. And then when they are there, they realize how much value there is in hearing all these different perspectives and realizing, oh, all of this is normal. Everything I'm going through is normal. I'm not alone with this. Mm-hmm. So why is it be happy abroad? Why did you choose that? Because I believe that deep within most of us want to be happy. And when I say happy, I really mean like a deeply fulfilled way of being and a well-balanced life. So I don't, because I know that a lot of, there is a lot of criticism out there also be about that happiness is something that's shallow but for me it's not for me it really goes deep and it's about knowing who you are having a having roots somewhere knowing who you are and then and then being able to grow from that from that place and really having that well-balanced fulfilling life Mm. that you want to have so there is a lot of self-leadership, personal leadership, responsibility for your own well-being in the term happiness for me. Okay. Oh, that's really interesting. I I mean, I could, I I would have ventured a guess, but it was interesting to, I wanted to hear it from, from, uh, you know, your point of view and why you chose that. Um, Do you remember like one of the ways in which you were confronted when you first maybe in one of your first trips or maybe not even one of your first trips because even even when you're experienced sometimes you get confronted I think my first culture shock and multicultural experience was actually within Austria because I grew up in Innsbruck which is a small town in the western part of Innsbruck in a in in the middle of the Alps. So there are a lot of mountains and my leisure time in weekends was skiing. I always went skiing. Sometimes I would even go to school in skiing outfit and then go skiing right after school. Um, And then I I moved to Vienna for studying and Vienna is just, it's, I mean, it's not a huge city when you look at it compared to other cities in the world, but in Austria it is. And uh, like a quarter of the population of Austria lives in Vienna, which is a leftover from emperor times where Vienna was the capital of a much bigger area. So I think that's what makes Vienna so big compared to the size of Austria nowadays. It's just completely different. Like Vienna is completely different than Innsbruck. And I, I think that was my first and I was not prepared for that. I was absolutely not prepared for that to to enter this a different environment and also it was I was 18 and I started studying and all of a sudden I was on my own I didn't have my family around and I had to find my own way so I think that was the first time where where I was confronted with with this the, the kind of change and transition that we experience when we move abroad yeah when your landmarks change not only physical but just Everything around you, everything you count on changes yeah. <laughs> and shifts. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So that's one layer. And then there's the layer that I speak about, which is frequent business travel. So often people move. Yeah. They have they experience these shifts, they experience the changes, the transitions, the, you know, oh, I have to kind of navigate through something that is at the moment foreign to me Mm. and to become more familiar and then on top of that sometimes they're alone 
yeah. with the kids uh, because their partner's off already, you yeah. know. And you've experienced some of that where your husband's been away a, a yeah. lot. Yeah, well, the first time I experienced it was actually before kids. And I, that back then I always joked, ha, I moved to his country and now he's gone during the week. And it was kind of a joke, but there is always, like, I mean, there is a small truth in like a, a serious truth in, in all jokes so I did not feel great about that like living in Denmark and then he was gone at that time I worked so that made it a little bit easier and I didn't mm -hmm. have kids that also made it a little bit easier but yeah he, there was a time where he was first in Germany from Monday to Friday and then in Norway from Monday to Thursday and like so I was very much alone in his country When we lived in the Netherlands together, it was a little bit easier because there he only had day trips. Sometimes he would come home late, but there were only day trips. And then upon moving back to Denmark, there was more frequent travel again, where he had mm -hmm. to go to different countries where he had to, because he was responsible for all Denmark. He he often went, often it was just one or two nights, but still he was gone and it was very unpredictable. And I know we talked about this unpredictability in, in our conversation we had for this year's Happy Abroad Summit, Rhoda, that That also makes it hard, even though I was not that as alone as many others are. But there was just like I, I couldn't know beforehand when he was gone, because sometimes it was also show up last minute. And then there was a business dinner here and uh, an extra appointment there. And yeah, so basically kind of planning on your own. Um, so is that what you ended up doing? You just said, well, I'll plan. And if he's there, he's there. He's not there. He's not there. How did you kind of? No, actually, I really insisted like for, for a long time that we have an updated shared calendar and it actually worked out quite well for us then. Yeah. So it's a, like an electronic shared calendar where, where he would put things in and then sometimes one of us would forget to put something in but usually it worked well but uh, yeah there were last minute uh, emergencies every now and then where we had to kind of last minute plan or where one of us usually me had to cancel something yeah yeah yes but, there's yeah. a very very specific set of challenges yeah. for unpredictable travel yeah and i think you've you've named a few you know difficulty in planning and changes in dates or you plan something for the family but then it falls through and just constantly this flexibility mm. um that the partner who's home has to kind of uh display and thank you for inviting me to speak to your summit at your summit yes it was a pleasure to have you thank you because for you it's an important topic right yeah why why is it so yes. important For you, what what would you say to people that were living this? What what would because it's a message that you wanted to put out with the split family situation? Yeah, yeah, and frequent travel. Yeah, well, I just I just, I mean I've experienced some of it myself, but I also see even more from other people around me who are who are like living this even in a more intense way, and it just often means that this person who is responsible, who is holding the fort abroad, as you call it, this person just has to say no to a lot of things they would like to do or they would love to do or like taking care of themselves or also putting their career on a on a backseat for a while and 
if if you're not going into this consciously talking about it, well, first reflecting for yourself, what is okay for me? What's not? What do I really need for myself in order to feel happy in this situation? And then also talk about it with your partner. If you're not doing that, there is a big chance that a lot of resentment builds up and then the, well, yeah, there, nothing good comes out of it, neither it's, for the relationship yes. nor for the for the for the kids for the family and it's just really really stressful and i think in general in life abroad but especially if if there is this specific situation where so much extra stress is put on both partners and the children there are some extra requirements it's just so important to be able to connect with yourself and really know yourself very well to to take care of your own needs also thank you so much that was beautifully put I'm so <laughs> glad I asked the question because I think in that there's there's a lot there's the acknowledgement mm. that you, maybe you have to say no to things maybe you have to readjust maybe you have to be more creative in being able mm. to do something or maybe it's going to take longer yeah. so instead of taking two years it'll take five or yeah. you know to take the long the long uh, view on it yeah. um and also to, that it adds extra layers mm. and also that sometimes most people are not prepared yeah. for it and even i must say i i knew that we were going to live abroad but i didn't know he was going to be gone so often and i yeah a lot of people are not prepared and you just slip into it and then you're like but well, i can't cope yeah. well, what's wrong with me yeah. and you're like no no it's not it's not no, you no exactly <laughs> that's back to normalizing the problems as i said before exactly. like to be aware and to find the right resources and i think some people some experts some internationals stumble upon these resources by coincidence by seeing a facebook post or an instagram post where they see some kind of an offer that they can join and then in that context, they realize that what they're going through is so normal and yes. that it's not them. Nothing is wrong with them. <laughs> exactly. I've had people like reflecting on like, oh, wait, my dad or my mom traveled, mm. you know, yeah. a lot. A lot is, oh, my dad was away a lot, you know, and, and some people also like saying, reflecting back to the time they traveled. And then so yeah. it's, it's I think people don't always realize that this is an extra layer. Yeah. So, yeah. So intuitive eating. Can you tell us like <laughs> yes. how you got into it, yeah. what it means? And I'm always looking for resources that people can apply that doesn't take more time, yeah. but it actually will either enrich their lives or make their lives simpler yeah. or actually um, help them with something that, you know, if they don't, I'm, a, you know, I know for myself that if I don't eat yeah. properly, my it's just a disaster I can hardly exactly. like literally I can yeah. hardly walk because of my arthritis yeah. so maybe let's start there because food is such a basic in life we need good food mm. like there are a few basic needs we need the right food we need the right amount of sleep we need the right amount of movement in order to function in order to feel energized and have this energy to care for our family and to handle life just as simple as that just to handle life we need we need like proper nutrition and nutrition now not only food but nutrition like also mental and emotional nutrition 
the way I got to intuitive eating, actually, I stumbled upon the the concepts many years ago already that was still in the Netherlands, but I never investigated deeper. When it then really, when I got more into it was when my little one, who is now soon two, he was five months old, I think. I saw an advertisement of an intuitive eating course training by by a German lady offered. And that really kind of got me hooked on the concept. I took that training and then I actually went on to, to I, I took the course first and then I went on to take the training. So I am actually now also an intuitive eating trained coach. Why I think this is so important is that because many of us do use food as a way to deal with things. And that can be in both directions. Some stop eating when they're stressed and others eat more or eat unhealthy, eat mindlessly, eat next to watching TV or or like doing other things on the side, eating in between. And all of that does not give our body the proper nutrition that that it needs. It does not nourish neither our body nor our soul nor our mind and i think that's that's what makes the concept super interesting for me because it goes so much deeper than just like food that we put in our mouth there is much more to it so it's really about reconnecting with our bodies with our minds realizing what needs do we have and then find quote-unquote correct ways to fulfilling these needs and not fulfilling the needs by quickly putting something into our mouth. And I think that's a, that's often something that happens, that we either drop or start eating when we actually have other needs that might be mental or emotional needs also. Okay. So you said it starts with recognizing our needs. Mm. So you're not, you don't need like our food needs. You mean like our all our yes. needs. And then being able to fulfill these needs. And, and when I look through the list of like that training gave us a list of what are needs we have. So there are, they, they, they categorize it in three categories. It's the physical needs, the mental needs and the emotional needs. Physical needs are very much like those are, if you look at the Maslow pyramid, it's the basic needs like safety and, and sleep rest drinking eating going to the bathroom all these like those are physical needs that our body has but then the mental needs and here so many of them are challenging when we move abroad so for example mental needs integrity authenticity and those are concepts that are questioned when we move move abroad because we have to adapt to some way then maybe we don't feel like ourselves we ask ourselves okay who am i in this context and that is stressful and then to handle the stress often emotional eating is a, a way to handle it yes. for many people yes. not for everyone it's definitely not relevant for everyone but i think I think um, this awareness and this checking in with your body and being aware is relevant for everyone. Yes. And I think when your partner's away a lot and you're abroad, there's that authenticity, like, is this mm. is this what I want? Yeah. I mean, there's a lot going on yeah. in your head. Um, and you're right. Uh, oftentimes when, when life gets intense, you know, all these basic needs kind of sometimes go out of the window. Yeah. And the other thing I wanted to add and ask you is like, I, what do you think? I think that you can get away with it in your 
20s and 30s, you can get away with not sleeping well. Mm. You can get away with not eating well. But what I found out and I wish I'd known is like it catches up with you. Yes. Then in your 40s, you're like, oh, crumbs. I have accumulated bad habits. Yeah. And not taking care of my physical and emotional needs. And then it catches up with you later on in life. Yeah. Yes, definitely. And I mean, one one aspect of it is weight, because half the weight that we want, but another aspect is also how we feel like, and there movement also comes in. How much do you move your body? How much do you, yeah, are you active? Do you have energy and the fitness to go through your days with ease? And that, again, requires a lot realizing your own needs and then putting boundaries around those needs and, and craving your own like me time. Okay, now I'm going for a walk for half an hour because that's what I need right now. Or right. I need 10 minutes on the yoga mat right now and then the house will not get vacuum cleaned or the dinner will not be cooked yet. But I need these 10 minutes. Okay. So for example, like... Just, yeah. just really, really being, being, uh, yeah, in tune with what you need, and then making space for it. So, what bit has to do with intuitive eating? What bit has to do with eating? Hunger can be different things. One of them is the hunger that comes from the stomach when you really are hungry, but then there are also different forms of hunger. Where, for example, the emotional hunger is really important in that context, I think, because I, now I've, I haven't mentioned the emotional needs yet. One of them, for example, is belonging. So everyone has the need to belong. And that's one of the key challenges in life abroad. We lack belonging and that might express, and that's emotional hunger. It's an emotional need. And if we can't get it fulfilled in the right ways, we might fulfill it in different ways. And that's where where eating becomes often a solution to a problem, but where it shouldn't be the solution. So intuitive, you need to say, okay, I need to figure out, is this an emotional hunger or a, a, a hunger yes, hunger? Exactly. Or a, and that's where your intuition comes in to try and figure it out. And I always get emotional as you were talking because I'm thinking a person moving abroad, then mm. their partner's traveling and is away. So you've got, all the the mm. upheaval of the move with the the loss maybe of identity of social support of belonging and all those that may stir up and like you know it can trigger then these kind of ah emotional yeah. hunger then that that you want to fill with food but then your partner's away so you've lost touch you've lost maybe you feel like oh he loves or she loves the work mm. more than me or and then there's there's so many yeah. other needs that then spring yeah. up i think and it's it's such an interesting angle i uh, it's it sort of yeah. complements it's really really interesting to look yeah. at it through that angle how does a person go from there what do you do once you 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 just find a way to to fulfill your need first of course it's recognizing that need really being in tune what is that need mm -hmm. and then maybe having in a moment where you don't necessarily have that need then maybe brainstorm and make a list of how could I fulfill that need when it shows up so that you have a toolbox ready for when for when you need it and maybe it works as a bank account as well it's like you know if I if I'm yeah. If I'm full, you know, it, it's different than if I'm running on empty already and then yeah. something happens that takes it even more away and then I'm running on like minus 
Yeah, yeah. And for the eating part, like this is the part where it is specifically about the eating, where you're tuning in with your body, where you're first checking, am I really physically hungry? So the first principle is eat when you're physically hungry. And if you notice, oh no, actually mm -hmm. I'm not, then go out and explore, okay, what else might it be? Where might this hunger come from? And sometimes it also comes from seeing something delicious, like from the eyes or from the nose, you smell something delicious, then you think, oh, I'm actually hungry. There might be mouth hunger. So you have maybe the need to feel something cold in your mouth or something crispy, or sometimes it's just the feeling that you get in your mouth. So there are ways that different ways to satisfy the and to fill that hole that you're feeling without actually eating. So the first principle is really eat only if you're physically hungry. The second principle is choose what truly satisfies you. So really feel into and choose something that that you know tastes good that you like because then it's also fulfilling because if you eat something that's not only half fulfilling and that's only half satisfying to you you might continue eating and continue waiting for that fulfillment but you will never get it and also something that satisfies satisfies your body like that you know that would be really good for my body now but not necessarily checking off the calorie list but just something where you think, oh yeah, that would be the, a good thing right now. Um, the third principle is to enjoy slowly and mindfully. And that can be such a challenging thing. And that's what I'm, I think that's the one I'm struggling most with still, because sometimes it's just, I don't know, in between meetings, logistics, family logistics, and all the things we have to do to actually sit down and only eat doing nothing on the side, not even reading. Ideally, you wouldn't even read while while eating, which I, uh, yeah, I'm guilty of reading while eating. <laughs> and Ayurveda says, uh, I don't know if I'm pronouncing that right, but they, uh, I was talking to someone the other day and she said, you actually sit on the floor mm. so you're connected to the, to the ground and mm. you do not talk. So I'm like, whoa, yeah. that would be tough for me. <laughs> But I can see the wisdom in it, you Definitely. know, where you're nourishing your body and, and um... yeah. Okay, what's the fourth principle? So the fourth principle is to stop eating when you're comfortably full. Mm. And I think that's another thing that me, for example, I'm um, personally, I'm becoming better at it. And just if I'm full, just leaving the rest for later or sometimes also throw things out. I've really stopped completely to finish my child's food <laughs> because yes. I do have a two-year-old so yes there is a lot of leftover but I am not eating that leftover anymore <laughs> that's a biggie for moms <laughs> it is exactly and, yeah. and but but it's yeah because that finishing children's leftover that's usually not very mindful it's usually just in between the table and the dishwasher. Oh, I'll just quickly finish what's on this plate and then I'll put the plate in the dishwasher. That's so that breaks several of the principles, mm. I, I would say. But I really like those four principles because in the in some of the literature about intuitive eating, you also find 10 principles and then it becomes so complex. But I really like these four because they are also really 
their hands on and they kind of guide you through the whole cycle of eating. So you feel into your stomach. Am I actually like, is my body, my stomach, is it empty? And am I actually physically hungry? Then it's about what you choose to eat. Then it's about how you eat, like the process of eating. And then it's being in tune with yourself. When do I stop eating? So it's very approachable, hands-on, manageable, and in principle, easy to follow. But, but then, of course, it's still also challenging to live up to those four principles at yeah. least most most of the time. But I think it really pays off in the end because it just avoids overeating. It makes us feel better. I think that's the big win about this. Yeah, and it makes our real needs, it fulfills our real needs. Yes. Right? Then we end yeah. up, like, I often find I'm eating because I'm tired. Oh, yeah. Like, literally, I'm like, oh, I need to, I'm like, I'm so tired of a bit of chocolate. And I'm like, why mm-hmm. did I do that? I just need to go lie down for a bit, you know? Yeah. Or I've exactly. overdone it and I actually need to stop. So it it is, it's, it's so important. Or sometimes when we are tired, actually, that's two of the physical needs also on the list. One of them is rest. So yes, take maybe 10 minutes rest or oxygen. Open the window and take five deep breaths out the window where you have unless you live in a huge city with a lot of smog, but like just take a few deep breaths of fresh air, of oxygen, because that also gives you energy. So there are different ways to to get rid of tiredness than eating, but I absolutely, I think that's also why I felt drawn to the concept when I stumbled upon it when my son was five months old, because yes, I was sleep deprived and I was tired and like all this yeah like the beginning months with breastfeeding getting the breastfeeding going interrupted nights never two or three hours more in of sleep in one piece and yes you get tired every mom can relate i guess and then and you eat and then what's the and what's the solution quick energy through sugary stuff and and it just backfires because that's it gives you the sugar high maybe it 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 boosts your energy for a short moment but it always falls back down so for me it was also really not in that moment it was absolutely not about losing weight yes I had a few baby kilos uh, that I would have liked to lose but in that moment it wasn't even so much about that but mostly about finding ways to feel better again because this sugar consumption for quick energy doesn't make us feel good Mm. so are you taking clients right now and how what's the journey with a client normally usually with intuitive eating we would first do an analysis which sometimes is also identifying okay what are your eating patterns what where where do you feel you could improve and then there are also different eating personalities so the intuitive eater is kind of where we want to get to because that's the person who really can tune into their body and fulfill the needs but then there are also different other like the overeater and the careful eater but in a really like obsessed way kind of and then the professional dieter so there are different types of eaters so we would identify that because then there are different 
typically also patterns with each of those that can be solved. So first get clarity on that and then work with the different tools and the tools that are available in that in that toolbox. They are also categorized in physical, mental, in emotional, and depending on the individual person, we would de determine where to start. Like, do we start with the physical part? Do we start with the mental part or with the emotional part? That's brilliant. Okay. And there'll be links to, yes. to your website in yeah. the show notes so that people who want to contact you are, are sure to be able to contact you. Thank you so much. Thank you. For Rhoda. sharing about your experience, yeah. what you're doing, but also about this intuitive eating. It's really interesting angle yeah. um, to, to look at this life from. So thank you very yeah, much. Thank you. Thank you.